Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it back. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable podcast. I am your host, Jake Jackman, um, standing in for Kev today. Um, and we're joined by Thomas and Sam. Guys, if you just want to introduce yourself. Hi, guys. Yeah, my name's Thomas Boff. I'm the editor of wolvesblog.com and surprisingly a fan site dedicated entirely to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, if you want to get me on Twitter, you can do so at Wolvesblog. Hi, I'm Sam Cox. I'm here to talk about Southampton. And you can find me on Twitter at Sam E. Cox. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. And of course, you can get the show on Twitter at EPL Roundtable. But heading into the topics for today, starting off with the tea time match um, on Sunday, as we record today, um, Chelsea versus Manchester United. It was a nil-nil draw. Um, wasn't one. Um, if you missed it, you didn't really miss a lot. It was kind of a repeat of what Manchester United have already done against uh, Liverpool and Manchester City. Um and Arsenal already this season, so it wasn't um, the best watch. I think even the, the corresponding fixture was 0-0 at Old Trafford as well. So it uh, seems to be a theme with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, where in previous seasons he was sort of seen as a manager that was um, quite good in the big games, that got a few big wins over Manchester City and did quite well in the cup competitions as well in, in some of the big games. Uh, but this season, it seems, when they, when they were in a position to, to push for the title, uh, although that looks... Like that feels a million million years ago now. Um, looking at the table, but they were once being touted as potential title challengers. But it seems these big matches have have really cost them. Um, in addition to losing, dropping points against some of the, the the lesser clubs as well. But this seems to be a repeating theme with Manchester United, where they have these attacking players and they should really be going in with a positive attitude in these big games. But they can't seem to 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 score. Um, and it's, there seems to be too much focus on keeping the other team out. Do you think that that is perhaps holding Manchester United back at the moment? Do you think that this is something that the board might look at in the summer and think that Solskjaer has done a really good job to get them to this point, but maybe they need a, a more elite manager to, to come in and take them to that next level? Um, I find it quite hard to quantify how good or bad Solskjaer is because he doesn't really have a track record to speak of. Um, I think he's improved Man United. Um, since he took over, but then I think equally uh, in his favour is is the players that he's got. I think I don't I don't think the quality is quite there to be at the level where they're challenging for the title, even though the table might suggest otherwise. I do think they're a step down from uh, Man City and a step down from Liverpool when Liverpool have got everyone fit and firing. So, um, and equally, I still feel that Man United are at their best when they're a counter-attacking team um, when they you know opponents come on to them a bit so I don't think they've really found a plan B when it, you know they play teams at the bottom who teams tend to park the bus they have trouble getting through and then when they play the top teams you're kind of trying to strike a balance between you know they're better at nullifying those counter-attacking threats um, you know they kind of just end up cancelling each other out so 
you know, it is what it is. I think with Solskjaer, I just think it's too early, really. Um, if it was me, if they carry on as they've been going to the end of the season and they finish comfortably in the top four again, they need to look at their recruitment in the summer. I think if they can bring in one or two, um, the next season is probably the, con- the time to have that conversation about Solskjaer. But I just think if they got rid of him this summer, you know, having got them in the t- uh, top four, it would probably feel premature. Um, I don't really see who they're going to get, who's going to be proven massively better. Um, you know, I could be proven wrong on that. But I just think potentially there may be a year or two, definitely a year away from challenging properly. Um, and that, I think, next season. I'll, so I'd probably defer the answer to that question on Solskjaer. Yeah, I think it's it would be very harsh to, to question his, his management and his position at the club at the end of the season, considering that if you look at the table, of course, they're second in the league. And I think at this moment in time, they are the second best team in the league right now. Um, I think, as you said, I think the question mark is, is more on recruitment the players, who can they bring in, who can Solskjaer attract? I think that could be a question mark around him as well. But but the thing about Solskjaer is he took over in a relative relative club in mess. Uh, Mourinho, it, it hadn't worked out and he had to take over from a, a squad that, you know, weren't, weren't fit and weren't firing and he's found a system to to work and, and you know, okay, yeah, they, they've brought in players like Bruno, who's, who's taken them to the level they were to, to where they are now. But as you say, I think they are a step away from from uh, challenging for the title when, when Liverpool are, are back fully fit. So, yeah, as you say, if they, he's got another year and maybe another two years of, of being where they are now and consolidating a top four place where, to be honest, that's the role he was brought in to do. You know, he wasn't really brought in to... To, to take them to to the top of the league straight away. He's done that, of course, this season. As you said, it does feel a little a little long while ago now, considering Man City's 20-game uh, winning streak. But I think it's more of a question on recruitment. And uh, I think he's done a great job. And as you say, the options out there, that there aren't really many options. You see Pochettino, who was touted heavily for the job for such a long time, he's gone and taken the PSG job. Um, and apart from that, everyone else seems to be in jobs or or those who who are not quite at the, the elite level are, are still trying to get their way up alongside Manchester United. So I think right now Solskjaer's the best person for the job. Um, but again, there's going to be questions in, in two, one to two years' time if, if the recruitment of players do come in. Um, but apart from that, I think Solskjaer, at the, at the moment of time, it would be very harsh to, to start considering his future at the club. Yeah, it is a difficult one. Um, I think they're still in the FA Cup and the uh, Europa League, so maybe if he does add a trophy to a top four finish, that might um, be reflected as a, a another step forward for him. And I think that there's been a lot of positive positives to take from this season. But um, yeah, it will feel that they just because they entered that discussion just within the wider media, it might, there might be some scrutiny from fans maybe looking at it. But he seems to still have them on board. And I think with the today's nil nil as opposed to some of the 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 other ones that I discussed. I think today, if you looked at where Chelsea were on the table, if they would have lost, Manchester United might have been pulled back into a top four um, battle, especially if, if Liverpool do go on and win, uh, which we don't know as we are recording. But um, yeah, they might have saw it as, oh, it, we've got a lot more to lose here. Let's just shut the game out, get, another, get a nil-nil if we can and, and get out of there and, and keep that, that six-point gap to Chelsea. Um, and put, keep them in a, a positive position because they're not going to catch City now, so they've got to, to sort of lock down that top four position. So maybe today he, he doesn't deserve um, maybe the scrutiny he did in, in previous nil nils. But that takes us on to the, the top four race, which does seem to be the thing that might be the, the liveliest as we, we head, uh, head into the running. Um, currently, Manchester United um, 
in second with 50 points, Leicester in third with 49 points, West Ham surprisingly in fourth with 47, then it's Chelsea in 44, Liverpool 41, Everton 40, uh, Tottenham, Aston Villa 39, and Arsenal 37, who um, would be quite a quite a feat if they managed to get up back in there. But it, it, with Aston Villa and Tottenham and Everton, they've all got games in hand, so they could improve their position. So it does seem to be that, that there's five or six teams in it, especially after Leicester losing today as well, um, sort of drags them back. Um, but there's a lot to play for there. Um, and, and with Arsenal and Tottenham in particular, do you think that those two teams are um, heading into in the right direction? Do you think either of them can challenge that top four this season? Or do you think that their run to now has sort of prevented them from, from being in that discussion? Um, and which, which of the two do you think is better suited um, going forward? Because they both seem to be in transition at the moment. And, um, we're so used to seeing one of the North London clubs in the, in the top four that the fact neither of them are even close to it at this time. Um, yeah, it's a little bit concerning for both of them. But um, yeah, which, which which of the two do you think is better suited? And then maybe if we, we'll move on to a wider discussion about the top four this season. Um, I don't, I'm not really sure. I mean, I think suppose maybe Tottenham have got more proven top four quality and credentials in that squad. Um, and they're in a good moment. Uh, you know, after the result against Burnley today. Uh, I think they've got a game in hand as well. So I think they'll be looking at, you know, Leicester. I know you wanted to broaden the conversation after they were looking about, you know, Leicester, the injuries they've got, some dodgy results lately. And I think they'll be thinking, you know, there's an opportunity there. Um, but, you know, out of, out of Chelsea and Arsenal, I think Arsenal are, I think if the season was starting again from zero, um, I think Arsenal and Tottenham will be very close to each other in the table. I mean, they are anyway, but I think I'd, I'd possibly be giving Arsenal the edge because they look like a team that's coming together. They look like they've got more legs in that team. It's a younger team. It's more upcoming. There's greater potential there, whereas Tottenham, have got a lot, as I said, they've got a lot of proven quality, but have a lot of those players maxed out. Um, you know, So there, there's very little to choose between those two sides. I think if I was putting my money on one of them making a push for the top four, though, I would probably give it Tottenham just because they've got that. They've got a few extra points on the board. I think they've got a game in hand and... I just think they've probably got a little bit more know-how um, and those small differences might just give them the edge. Because I think Arteta is still probably, he's still messing around with that Arsenal team, trying to find a uh, you know a proven 11 that week in, week out is going to get him results. Um, so yeah, so I think I'd probably just give Tottenham the edge at present. Yeah, I agree with that totally. I think if I have to pick out of Spurs and Arsenal, who I think are going to make a late run, to the top four, I think I have to go with Spurs. Just as you say, they've got the experience in the side. They're more, um, they're probably, I think I, I, I could be wrong. I think their average age of the squad is slightly older as well in terms of the starting 11s. Um, and I think with with Bale now coming back into to the fold, I think it's easy to forget that, that Bale hadn't really played much football for, for a season and a half, two seasons before coming to Spurs. So it was always going to take him time to, to one, get fit and, and one, get, get match fit back to, to the bell. Not obviously we're not talking about the same bell from five, six years ago. But now he's there and he's scoring goals. It's looking like that him, Son and Kane could fire them back up there. Um the the, the problem I think Arsenal have is they're a little bit too inconsistent. Um but as you said, I think it's starting to gel a little bit for Arteta. Two really good results. I mean a, a comeback victory against Benfica in the week. Um and albeit though Leicester are, are ravaged by injuries. 
uh, another comeback today to 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 beat a high flying Leicester. So they'll take confidence from that. But I think the problem for Arsenal is the points gap, and there's so many teams. They're still in tenth in the league, so there's still a lot of teams above them. A lot of them have games in hand or or, or play the same amount of games. So I think it's just a little bit too much to ask of Arteta side at the moment. I think Spurs that game in hand, that's crucial. If they win that, then they're they're definitely back into the conversation. But Spurs again, a little bit like Arsenal, as I said, are a little bit inconsistent at the moment, but they're they're picking up a bit of form. Um but I think it's gonna be a struggle for both of them. I think if you look at the teams above them, they're probably playing better football and there's that still that gap in Spurs are in eighth, Arsenal in tenth. It's going to be a, going to be a hard push. West Ham, you know, they they gave City a good go. They're they're still in around the conversation. Chelsea looking stronger under Tuchel. Uh, Everton as well going strong. So it's going to be interesting. But to be honest, if I, if you have to push me on, do I think either of them are going to get into the top four? I have to say no. I have to choose one of them who's going to finish in a, a European spot. I'd have to say Spurs. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um... Just, it's, it's been interesting for me to see that Spurs have sort of bounced back in the last, I guess, sort of since half time into West Ham, they've really um, bounced back and seem to be playing a lot more on the front foot, which is strange for a Mourinho team. But if they continue that, I think they, they'll finish strongly. But the, the points gap might be too much um, to close it off. Um, Thomas, do, do I have um, any thoughts on, from you on, on what do you think the top four might look like at the end of the season if we are excluding those two teams? Is it the, the four that are in it at the moment or, or Chelsea or Liverpool getting in there ahead of uh, West Ham and Leicester, I guess. Um, if I was a betting man now, Man City, obviously, um, Man United, Chelsea, um, just looks like Tuchel's got a way of playing and I still think there's a lot of growth potential uh, in that squad, although he's still messing around tinkering with that 11 a bit. Um, and then Liverpool, I just I still think Liverpool will probably come good and string together a series of results um, West Ham have had an outstanding season. They're just in a moment. They remind me a bit of Wolves, actually, the last couple of years, where they've just got an 11. They're able to get that 11 on the pitch quite a lot. Um, and, you know, they, they've added really well. And they've just got, you know, they've just gone from there, basically got consistency. But I, I just think they'll probably fall away. Um, no disrespect to them, but I just I think they, they are overhitting a bit. Um, yeah, I think Leicester will fall away. And, and as Sam said, you know, I, I just wonder about the, the points difference between some of the others. Because even if they, you know, they're coming in off a few good results this season, it, it tends to be quite hard for teams other than Man City to, to sustain a run. So points on the board up to a point are quite important. So, yeah, so I think I'd be saying Man City, Man United, Chelsea and Liverpool. Yeah, I, th- I still I still think Leicester are going to be in and around. I know they have problems with injuries at the moment, um, but they've they've got a, a little bit of a buffer between them and the other teams below them. I, I'd definitely say the two Manchester clubs. Um, I'm going to say Leicester. I think Leicester this season will probably get in. You've got to remember now that they, they don't have any European football. I know it was a huge disappointment to to be knocked out in the week, but now they can solidly focus on the league. They're still in the FA Cup, of course. Um, I agree with West Ham. I'd say they've had a great season, but I'm not sure that they're, they're going to quite get over the line. So I think I'm going to say Chelsea to get the last spot. So two Manchester clubs, Leicester and Chelsea. I think Liverpool will, will just miss out. I think they're just still going to be a bit marred by, by those injuries at the back, which they've had, you know, affect them all season. So for me, uh, Chelsea in there, Leicester and the two Manchester clubs. 
Yeah, it's it's strange that, that we talk about Liverpool um, not being in in the top four because after that Palace game earlier this season, I think everybody would have said that they expect them to go on and win the title, even with the, the injuries they had. So um, yeah, they were looking perilous then, but they ha- they have dropped off. And I, I think I I I'm with Thomas that I think that um, it will be um, Chelsea and Liverpool joining the two Manchester clubs purely because of the the injuries Leicester have picked up lately. And I think that in the last couple of weeks they started to lose some of that that energy they had. Um, but yeah, as, as Sam rightly points out, being out of Europe will help them there. But I think they'll be hoping that Madison can come back in soon because if Barnes is out for six weeks, I don't think they want to go into matches with Ayose Perez and um, Chengiz on the playing regularly because I'm not sure either of them. Um, I think they're both solid Premier League players or they've got the capabilities, but they're not Harvey Barnes and James Madison who, who have been so good in recent weeks, even with Vardy not scoring as many as he had done. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that affects them. So I think it's between those five teams. I don't see West Ham getting into it. I think Everton, probably not either. Uh, Aston Villa, um, I think they'll they'll all finish top half, but it, it is an extra step to get into that top four. And uh, Tottenham may focus elsewhere with the Europa League um, being a better avenue for them, especially if they're playing this attack and football over two legs. They could be a real handful for for any team in that competition. So yeah, it's. It, be an interesting one to follow. I hope we do get a surprise in there, uh, either a West Ham sustain or an Everton come 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 off the table. But I'm not sure we will. Um, but moving off the the top of the table now, I'm going to move into some positive news as we come to the end. Well, we 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 can see the end of football without fans, which is good. Although we did think this about four or five months ago, and it transpired we hadn't. But news this week that um, the lockdown in England is going to be slowly eased. Um, I think the 17th of May that they're planning for sporting events of 10,000 attendances, um, which would be the final week of the Premier League season. But there's talks that they'll be pushing back the um, the 37th um, round of fixtures as well. So uh, fans can attend and, and each club can have a home game in front of fans, which I think is probably fair. If we look at that 37th round, they've got some matches that will have uh, implications at both ends of the table. We've got... Chelsea versus Leicester. That could be a, a particularly spicy one um, for the top four race we were just discussing. Um, we've also got Newcastle and Sheffield United. Sheffield United probably down, but Newcastle might be going into that game needing a win um, to to survive. And we've also got Tottenham against Aston Villa, who are two teams that could be in a, a I guess, a Europa League battle. So there's a lot of big games there. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on on these plans? And they're still at a very early stage. Um, and do you think it would be fair? the Premier League to to put that um, 37th round of fixtures back so I guess they have the the fairness to all, all sets of supporters because on the final day I think it's Fulham versus Newcastle so I'm not as a Newcastle fan I'm not sure 3,000 um, 10,000 Fulham fans is is too much of an advantage um, but I guess that they could play that off as, as such so do you think that is a fair fair route to go down if we do actually get to the point of having um, fans back in? I think I just think it's a bit pointless to be honest. I mean, if it was me, I would just say, well, let's just write it off. Let's just write off the season and let's just hope we're in a position come August to to go, you know, back to normal from from the start. You know, a proper reset, um, and then you're into the murky waters of what's fair um, and what's not. You know, there were, there were some people, some discussion on social media between Wolves fans over the weekend because. We took an absolute shellacking at Anfield and they were allowed 10,000 people, you know, mainly in the cop, sucking the ball into the goal against us. You know, that's not an excuse because they were, you know, they deservedly beat us. They would have probably destroyed us anyway, even without those fans. But it does raise a question of if you're going to sort of let fans in at certain points 
is that fair? You know, because it clearly does. No one disputes the fact that fans do make a difference to the outcome of games. Um, so, so my preference, just being really sort of succinct about it, would be just don't bother at all and just start again next season. And I say that as a season ticket holder, and um, you know, it's just tokenism. Just it's not even like we're gonna, you know, it's a quarter of the fans at most in most stadiums. It just it just seems pointless to me. Yeah, I think I agree with that because you say ten thousand. I think from St Mary's at Southampton, I'm season holder. That's only a third of the ground, so some fans will still miss out anyway. Um, but if it can be done safely and and the roadmap, as you alluded to earlier, works out as as planned, then then they should really move it back because fans have been obviously patient all year. Some fans have been able to go to games. Most fans uh, probably not. Um, so I do like the idea that if if fans are to be in in grounds of the, the final fixtures and move the fixtures the, the 37 before back so so everyone can have at least one game because that's what they deserve. But I, I prefer what you, what you alluded to that they should probably or, or rightly say right no more for the rest of the season. Then we'll start again in August and hopefully we can have even more fans in. And uh, then it's then the questions on fairness or, or what what is or isn't fair. Um, sort of can't can't be at play but i i think if they are to as i said if they are to then they, they should really move 37 back because then then everyone has has at least one home game with uh with with fans in the stadium but you know it has to be done rightly has to be done safely um but but i, I like the idea but to be honest if we if we wait you know what's what's two games i mean we've done it all season i know it's not not you know the nicest thing to have a whole season with with fans who, who haven't been to a game, but if we just wait till August, have that little bit more patience in, in, instead of one or two games, then then it might be an even better spectacle for the fans to to go in August. Yeah, I think I agree with a lot of what both of you have said. Um, I think the only thing that that might be pressuring the the Premier League is there there are rumours starting to build about the the European Championships and and how that is going to be held and maybe it might get moved to England or, or the UK I read this week uh, all rumours at the moment but maybe if that was something that was to happen maybe the FA and, and the Premier League would have to show that they were able to to hold matches um, at, at lots of different um, venues and maybe that will come into it. I know it, I'm sure at the, the, the Euro they'd want more than 10,000 fans but um, maybe that would be a point to start off with um and i guess it would be the symbolism of it as well um sort of closing the seat where we finished last season behind closed doors to finish this one with a partially full stadium would would send would be quite a good message to, to send out but yeah it's, it's all up in the air at the moment and for all we know we might get to may and we might be back in a in a national lockdown we don't know but um yeah i think i, I agree with what you say that i think it, it does seem a little bit pointless but if they are to do it i think all 20 clubs should have at least one home game with supporters. I think that that would be the fairest way, uh, regardless of what oppositions they will be facing. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, just moving into talking a bit about our three clubs now. All uh, in the bottom half, not doing a lot. Um, so this would be, I'm sure, a very upbeat discussion. Um, so I'll start with you, Thomas. and I'm, I'm sure I'll probably come in with a few things about yesterday's game uh, as we did play each other. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts, first of all, on Adama Traore, because I was watching him as a fan of an opposition team. You're very scared of him when he picks up the ball sort of on the halfway line. But when he gets around the box, you, you become less scared of it. <laughs> it's, it's, you, you think, oh, God, here he's coming at us. And you think, oh, he's probably not going to do anything with it. He completed 14 dribbles, which must, must be one of the, the highest amount um, in a single match this season. Um, but yeah, he didn't, didn't really create anything of, of, of note, really. Um, and, and as the game went on, it just it just seemed less and less likely that he was going to to produce what would be a winner. Um, so I wanted to know your thoughts on him, and do you think that he sort of just hit a hit a wall in his development, and especially you know in the the final third? Well, I think there's two things I'd say about Traore. Um One of them is that there's this obviously this well-known statistic that he hasn't got a goal or assist in the Premier League this season. Um, but quite often he's with him. What he, he you're quite right. He, he's most dangerous when he's driving forward from midfield. And there's been quite a lot of instances this season. I can see. I'm thinking about both goals in our win at Arsenal come to mind, particularly where he drives forward 40 yards, lays the ball off to someone, and that person lays on a goal for someone. His, his final ball is, is still not is still not brilliant, but he's so important because he's a ball carrier and because of how Wolves play. We don't commit a lot of men forward. We rely on people who can go past players. So you'll see a lot of Wolves goals where he didn't get maybe the assist, but he got the assist of the assist, if that makes sense. So that is definitely the area of the pitch where he's most dangerous. Um, second point I'll make is, you know, what he's picking out in the penalty area. I think him and, him and Jimenez last season were the, I think they were either the highest scoring partnership, you know, assist to scorer. I think he got like seven or eight assists for Raul last season. Um, so I think him more than anyone else, uh, has been negatively hit by Raul's injury. So, um, but you're right. I mean, his, his final ball's got to be better. I actually thought he had a pretty good game yesterday. Um, quite unlucky in a lot of respects, but sometimes it's it's poor finishing from the players. And sometimes there just isn't a ball on, you know, there's a lot of bodies back um, and you're asking him to produce. So, yeah, I thought he was, I'm, I'm still very happy with him and I still think he's a very important part of our team. I think if we didn't have him, We'd probably that could be that could have been the difference between where Wolves are and, and where Newcastle are. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a strange game as a, as a Newcastle fan. I thought that um, to concede and equalise a headed goal to Ruben Neves is just a bit annoying because I'm sure he's probably never going to score another header again in the Premier League, which which just, it does cut a little bit. Um, probably thought we we created a lot of the better chances up until about 60 minutes, and then. Um, when we had injuries, it just seemed to. If if the game had gone on another ten minutes, I, I'm pretty sure Wolves would have got the winner. I mean, they very nearly did through Fabio Fabio Silva. So I guess a draw would be a fair result. But um, yeah, it's just a bit annoying where we are at the minute that it would have been handy to keep those three points. Um, but I, I guess for Wolves now, 
what what does the rest of the season represent? Um, would you rather that 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 Nuno brought in Fabio Silva ahead of William Jose and, and gave him more minutes and maybe brought in um, the likes of Hoover and Eight Nori to to play a little bit more because you're not going to get relegated. You're probably not going to get into Europe. There's not really a lot to play for. Would you rather that Nuno started to maybe shift? Um, younger, um, some younger players in the starting eleven, and and maybe move away from some of those more established players. Um, you know, you can move on from Cody, maybe try the four at the back without him. Um, do you think that that's something you'd like to see as a fan? Um, I guess mainly the Fabio Silva one's the obvious one, but um, yeah, do you think that Nuno will do that? And do you think that's what would be a, I guess, what should be the focus of the rest of the season for? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good question. Um, I suppose like because you're always worried as a fan. I mean, you'd, you'd like to think where we are now, we're not going to go down, and uh, you know. But I'd like to get to that 40 points before we start any experimentation. So maybe another couple of results, you know, another win, a couple of draws at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, Fabio's an interesting one because he, whatever you want to say about the guy, and he's taken a lot of flack from supporters because he's not. He's still got the body of a boy, basically, and he, he's physically not really up to, you know, getting in front of defenders, holding the ball up, bringing others into play. And that's what William Jose has given us, even though he hasn't looked like scoring a goal. Um, you know, then Fab, I think with Fabio coming on for the last 15, 20 minutes of games, when we, we tend to be getting the ball in the box more and the game's opened up, you're actually seeing an improvement in his outings and his what he can do, which is how it should have been all season, because obviously the plan was for Raul to be the talisman again and then just to have support when when needed by Fabio and gradually get him some minutes, probably with a view to next season and beyond becoming a more integral player. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I would, would imagine Fabio will get will get some minutes, but I think while we're, while we're you know, playing games, the, Premier League, the, the reality is we, we need a focal point up there and we need that you know, physical presence, William, uh, Jose. Um, outside of that, I mean, Hoover's, Hoover looks an interesting player, but, you know, we paid massive money for Samedo, um, who hasn't really lived up to, to the hype. Um, you know, so he's not, he's not a player that, you know, he, he's an established player, but he's a player we still expect more from. So we can't just discard him and, and be thinking about using Hoover. Wouldn't mind seeing Hoover played on maybe the outside of a back three to see if he could do that. Um, eight Nori. I'm not sure whether we're going to sign him. I think we've got, we've got to decide whether we want to pay 20 million for him, which is a lot of money. I think for my, as I see it, I think I'd rather just have Vinagre back, who we've loaned out. I don't think Aitnor is a massive upgrade on him and probably look to spend that 20 million uh, differently. I think Wolves have got a, have, have got an important summer of recruitment ahead of them. I think they need to, they need more mobility, both in defence and midfield, central midfield to you know, allow them to play a four at the back. Because the problem is, as good as a player as Neves and Matinho are, they're very static. Um, and as good a player as, as Conor Cody is in organising uh, and, you know, remain safe, Dendonka, they're good passers of the ball, good, good, solid Premier League players, but they're not quick. And I think if you want to play with a four, you need more pace and power. So, um, so yeah, but I mean, you know, going back to your question about what we do for the rest of the season, I just think it'll be as you were. I just think we'll be grinding, doing what Wolves do, turning up, grinding out results and seeing seeing where we can finish. And you never know, you know, if you can put a run together, seventh place, it, it's always there, you know, because not many teams, you know, from mid-table up towards about eight, seventh, eighth, ninth, will put together a run of three or four wins on a row. So it's there for anyone 
who is able to do that. So um, I just hope personally we we push to get in the top half because I think that that is, although it doesn't seem much to you know your elite clubs for Wolves to finish in the top half of the Premier League in three consecutive seasons is not something in recent history that you know has been done. So it would still be quite remarkable for me. So um, so yeah, that's what I'll be hoping. Yeah, it does seem like in the last few weeks that you've sort of improved and found a way to get results without Jimenez, which which was lacking for a, for a period. Um, but yeah, I kind of get, guess going back to the discussion about fans returning to the stadium, if if Wolves did get to have a home game and maybe Jimenez could could come on in that game and get a bit of a, a fan innovation, and, and that would be quite a nice image to end Wolves' season with. So maybe that's, that, that could be a positive and something to aim for for him, especially if fans do get let in. Um, but yeah, just move it. Finally, um, with Wolves, just wanted to ask you on Nuno because that seems to be a, a, an ongoing thing this season. Where I've seen rumours that he's going to leave and then he doesn't leave, and some fans seem to think that Wolves need to to replace him to move on, and that he's taken them as far as he can. Um, do you think that that's the case, or or do you still think you're a believer in what he does and that he deserves, you know, the summer to continue the rebuild um, and more time to to push Wolves on? Well, I think his stock's fallen in the last, you know, this season, which was always going to be a difficult season. Um, I think the, the it seems to be that he sanctioned a lot of our summer transfer business and, and was very much behind it. And I think a lot of Wolves fans are looking at selling Jota and replacing him with Fabio Silva and, um, you know, selling Matt Doherty, um, bringing in Semedo. You know, neither of those players look like upgrades and certainly in their output, they haven't been. Um, so there's, there's, that's raised certain question marks around around Nuno and what his actual vision is for the team. And then it obviously didn't work very well when we went to a four at the back. Um, so I can see, I mean, if if the goal is to be a top four team, then, you know, you've got to question whether the style of play that Wolves have, because we still routinely only have 35, 40% of the ball. Uh, we still defend incredibly deep. I mean, you know, look at how Newcastle were all over us for, for the first half an hour last night. If you're a top team, you just don't let that happen, do you? I mean, you know, you always knew Newcastle were going to be quick out the blocks, like caged animals, because they're so desperate for the result. But we just barely laid a glove on them for the first half an hour. And, that, and that's been too often this season. I mean, there's that horrible statistic during the rounds about how often we've conceded the first goal. And it's like a ridiculous number of times. It's like a relegation team's figure. So we need to, he's got to change things, you know, to do with his style. He's got to compromise a bit. Um, but then again, last season, you know, we came within a result or two of getting in the Champions League. So it shows that his style of football can be effective, uh, but he needs the players, you know, we're, we're short. So that's why I think, again, I go back to rec- the recruitment's just got to be better in the summer. And I think that is key. I think if they can get to, to, good first team, senior first team players, too much emphasis on youth in, in recent windows, uh, not enough on players who are good enough for the here and now. Um, and you've got players like Matinho getting old Bolly, but these players are getting on now in years and we, we need to be looking at, you know, evolving that team. So the, it's the recruitment more than the manager. I think I think he'll be here next season, um, but I think next season will, will be a defining season. Yeah, as well as the players that you, you've lost in the summer, you've also lost Jimenez for, for most of the season. So it's always going to be difficult. Um, and and um, with with the summer coming up as well, maybe they're, 
Neves might might finally look to to move on and test himself at a bigger club. I'm sure if it doesn't happen this year or ha- happen in future years, he does seem to be the type of player that could go on and play for a bigger team. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that Nuno probably deserves more time from my point of view looking in. But um, you can see why there's been some um, frustration with with the performances and uh, especially the first half now yesterday. The, I knew Wolves were going to come back into it, and, and I knew we'd regret to live. Uh, live to regret missing some of those chances, but um, yeah, for the first 30 minutes, it was quite one side. I think I'd never seen Newcastle have 72% possession in like 30 minutes, it was quite a shock. Um, but there you go. Uh, moving on to Southampton and you, Sam, obviously haven't played so far this game week, that is happening tomorrow uh, against Everton. But um, just want to get your thoughts on where Southampton are, they seem to have occupied nearly every position in the, the league this season at some point. Um, not um, especially in the top half. Do you think that the season's fizzling out now? And are you worried about the recent form? Um, I guess the nine nil is obviously the headline. Um, but then I've also I, I, I've I've seen New, um, Newcastle players after them beat them when we had nine men on the field. So that was again another another poor result, maybe even more embarrassing than the nine nil itself. Do you think that that Southampton have it, hit a wall and maybe looking at the FA Cup now, or or, or do you think that they are going to go on and sort of string a few good results together in the Premier League before the season ends and, and maybe similarly to Wolves try and finish in that top half. I think we I think we need to get some results. We need to put some results together. 30 points, which we're on now, doesn't keep you in the division. You know, that that's a fact. So we need to start picking up some points. Um, and you say Everton away tomorrow, you know, I don't have much hope. You know, the Leeds game just showed how brittle we are um, defensively. Uh, and, and when one goal goes in at the moment, the heads drop and the heads drop and we can't seem to get it going again. You know, um, it's a bit of a worrying time to be perfectly honest. I know, you know, there, there's a lot of contributing factors as, as to why, I mean, we've got a, a quite an extensive injury list, but I think every club at the moment is sort of struggling with that to, to a certain extent. Um, a lot of, focus is is now on the FA Cup it needs to be um we've got a fantastic chance of getting to to at least the semi-final we're playing Bournemouth away you know the only championship side left in the left in the tournament but it, it, it's a little bit worrying I mean like next next weekend you know it's, it sounds bad to say but it's almost like you know focus straight onto the Sheffield United game next weekend because that's huge you know we've got a We've got to get a win there. You know, there's no two ways about it. A draw probably isn't isn't good enough. The only saving grace for us really is there's a three or four teams in between us and, and the bottom three. Um, and Fulham's running until sort of the last day, last three or four. We've got to play them. I know they play Newcastle well on the final day. Um, it's probably the only saving grace that that we're not going to be in immediate relegation trouble. It's very strange. It's been a very strange season for everyone. It's been a strange season for us. You know, we, we looked so good at the start of the season. Um, you know, injuries have come in and, and we, we have fizzled out. I mean, the nine nil, you know, it's unacceptable. I know there's, there was a lot of reasons that, that we lost nine nil compared to the last time, you know, a couple of men sent off, um, a goal disallowed for a questionable offside again. Um, but it's, it is really testing times for Ralph at the moment. He's definitely still the man um, uh, to, to be in the dugout, but he's got a lot of questions to answer. This is probably in the toughest period um, in his managerial tenure so far. But like I said earlier, we need results to say 30 points doesn't keep you in the division. So we need to start picking up some points. 
Yeah, as somebody who's been following what's happening at the bottom of the table and watching every single game that includes those teams, Southampton are a lot better than every team down there. <laughs> I mean, we've been playing quite well, but we've not been getting any results, which is a change from last year where we were playing terribly and seemed to be getting results. So, um, yeah, they've got no chance of going down. I wouldn't worry about that. Um, I guess the question I would ask is, do you think that the, the, the scheduling has had an impact? Because uh, Southampton seem to have been playing three times a week. I know they had the game against Leeds and they've got another game against Manchester City in a couple of weeks, had all the FA Cup matches. The way that Hassan Hutu wanted to play, do you think that's just caught up with the team now and that they've maybe lost that a little bit of that intensity and once they've lost that, the the style isn't as effective? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, it's a very high intensity way of playing. Um, no, four, triple two. And as you saw in the first half against Leeds, we put, probably went toe-to-toe with them in terms of how how well they press and and that's the way we want to play and Ralph has made no excuses for that that's his style that's the way he wants to play the game um and at the moment you know playing three games a week with a thin squad regardless of the injuries is going to it's going to take its toll and i think you know there's a lot of question marks off the field with the owner um not putting any money into club there's a there's a little bit of a a bit of a movement on social media, if you call it that, that people are asking or, or, or calling for the owner to sell up and, and we need investment now for, for Ralph. Because I think we can all recognise that Ralph is a very good manager. Um, and if he had the tools to do the job uh, properly, you know, with the, with the personnel and the squad, then then we could have, you know, maintained the form we showed at the start of the season. But as you say, three games a week, it is tough. It's tough for everyone. Everyone's got that run. You know, we've gone far in the FA Cup at our own admission. We we play strong teams in the FA Cup. And that's the reason why, where we are. You know, Arsenal didn't play a strong team. And we, we got past them. Wolves similarly as well. Um, so, yeah, I think you, you saw it as well. You know, we had, we had a week between the Wolves loss in the league and the Chelsea home game. And it looked much better against Chelsea. You know, we got a good result, a one-all draw. Um, arguably should have and could have won the game. Vestergaard hit the bar with the header and that Chelsea's only real chance was the penalty. So, you know, the scheduling hasn't helped. Um, so, I mean, the Leeds game midweek and then we got in a little bit of time. We've got, you know, Everton tomorrow um, and, then, and then Man City in the week. You know, that Man City game is a free hit and, and we've got a much bigger game, you know, the weekend, the, the three, four days after against Brighton at home. So it's almost like, you know, focus on the Brighton game because that's where you're going to look to get points and then, you know, don't throw the game against Man City because you don't want another 9-0. Well, it, you know, it could very well be that with the four Man City you're in at the moment. So, you know, we've got to pick and choose really now what games we we can get points from. You know, the Cup, as I mentioned, will and should really take um, uh, all, our, all our concentration, all our effort because we've got a good chance, I think. You know, on our day, we've proven that we can beat anyone in the league you know our last win funnily enough was that win against Liverpool so you know we've 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 got a really interesting period as you say we shouldn't we shouldn't be relegated you know there's enough games from now in the season there's enough teams below us that will will hopefully fill that void um and hopefully if the season starts sort of stretching out again with with games not so thick and fast then then hopefully we can start looking like the team we once were at the start of the season yeah, and just finally, uh, a question on, on Che Adams. I've been quite intrigued by him this season. He seems to be a player that can create chances. His movement's often good. 
gets into goal-scoring positions, but just doesn't seem to get the goals and assists maybe he should get. Assists are obviously dependent on another player putting the chance away, but in front of goal, he does seem to snatch at chances. He's obviously still very young, um, seems to be in and out of the team at the moment, but I, I think that he's worth persevering with. He reminds me a little bit of Calvert-Lewin a few years ago, where he kept getting into good goal-scoring uh, positions and not putting them away, and we've obviously seen how he's developed. So, are you excited about him as a Southampton fan, or is he a player that maybe the fans are a little bit, um, I don't know, maybe scapegoat a little bit for the chances he does miss? How? What are your views on him, and do you think that he is going to be a player that plays regularly over the next, I guess, two, three seasons? Yeah, I, I hope he's a player that plays um, regularly for, for the club. I, I do like Che Adams. I think most fans can recognise what he brings to the team, and arguably sometimes his best performances are those when He's not actually in the side. You know, you can see how much we miss him in terms of the build-up play. Holds the ball up very well. Links up with players very well. As you say, he's just still a little bit raw in front of goal um, in, in this division. You know, he scored 20, I think it was like 22 championship goals when when we brought him to the club. Um, but he does all, the, does all the high graft off the ball as well. And I say at the moment, you know, he, he looks like he's very you know void of confidence. As the whole squad is on, on this winless run that we've been on. But he looks... You know, like his confidence has shot to bits. Um, you know, a, a fully confident Che Adams. We saw it at the back end of last season. You know, in Project Restart, when he scored that fantastic goal against uh, Manchester City, and then he went on a bit of a run, started the season very strongly. But yeah, I, I think he's very, very much so in terms of worth of um, persevering with. I think him and, and Danny Ings up front. You know, when they're both fit and firing, you know, Ings at the moment isn't his old self. Um, they do have a good partnership. Um, and to be honest, we haven't. We've got a, a lack of options up there, really. Um, Long Shane Long got loaned out to to Bournemouth, um, leaving you know Redmond having to to play up front, and you know Redmond's not a striker. Um, uh, um, and to be honest, Redmond at the moment is is a bit of the scapegoat in terms of if we if we have to choose one. But uh, no, Trey Adams, I think, you know, still very raw in front of goal, um, but he does the rest of the work very well. Um, so it won't, it won't be hopefully too long until he starts. It, it, you know, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but all he needs is one one goal and, and hopefully he'll start start firing again. And, uh, you know, I, I like the comparison with Calvert-Lewin because Calvert-Lewin does a lot of the, the hard graft as well, and but now has added goals to his game. And hopefully Che Adams can replicate that. And I think there's no one better to learn off really than, than Danny Ings. And, and Ralph, you know, of course, has, has had to leave him out of the side. But I think give him a run of games, Hopefully it will start going. He was, you know, very unfortunate not to have a have a goal for his name against Leeds. I know the referee didn't blow the whistle, and you know, there's a, you know, that's another conversation that that also happened this weekend. But um, you know, he's he 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 showed that calmness in that situation. He just needs to show a little bit more of that. Yeah, just moving into player watch now. Um, a slightly different one this week. I want to get um your guys' thoughts on on a player at your club that you think could could have a good end to the season, somebody that could could either, I don't know, play a part in, in your club achieving their aims or somebody that hasn't quite fired yet that, that might, um, you know, um, finish the season strongly and see their, their, their name featured a lot more prominently in discussions than they currently are. Um, so maybe not your Ruben Nevers and your Danny Ings, but somebody, somebody that you think could, could come out and, and play a big part over the rest of the season. Start with you, Thomas. Well, that's a difficult one. Um... I mean, I, I really have got everything crossed that Adama is going to, you know, get rid of that terrible no goals, no assist statistic. 
I like every game I'm rooting for him. He's been so unlucky. You know, the goal against Leeds where he, come, he smashed one in from 30 yards and it hit the ball and hit the keeper and he didn't get a goal or assist for that, even though he basically scored a goal. Um, you know, so I, I, I still feel he's going to get, he's going to pump up his numbers to a more respectable level if he keeps doing what he's doing. Um, but beyond that, I mean, it's quite difficult to say. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping just one of our strikers will, will step up, whether that's Fabio, uh, you know, coming into the team again, potentially and showing some worth because he paid a massive fee for him. And there's a lot of hope and expectation around him. Um, so yeah, but whether I would, whether I'm confident that it's going to, it's going to come for him, I'm not sure, but he, he, he's coming on now in games and he's looking quite dangerous. He's sniffing out the chances. And I thought he was desperately unlucky with that, that header against Newcastle last night. I mean, they, they credit it as a save by Dubravka, but really just hit him. Um, from point blank range and uh, you know nine times out of ten that ends up in the back of the net um, so yeah so I think maybe maybe Fabio to get a couple of goals um, and make us think that maybe next season where we'll have Raul back in play and the, there won't be so much focus and attention on him that he can actually have a, a good season and become a good useful member of the squad Yeah for, for Southampton um it's very difficult to choose in, in this moment in time. But for me, I'd say Moussa Genepo, Um played arguably his best game in a Southampton shirt against uh, a Chelsea at, at home. Um, he's one of those players who's, again, a little bit like Che Adams. He, he's still very raw. Um, one of those players that, you know, almost doesn't look like he knows what he's going to do with it, um, which which sometimes bamboos with defenders. But he's shown a little bit of calmness to his game now. He's shown a little bit of uh, decision-making skills, which would be a little bit better. Um, and I think he's one of those players who can create something out of nothing. His, his main problem really is keeping fit. Sometimes it, it seems that he, he'll be in the side for, for two or three weeks, perform relatively well, and then he'll miss three or four weeks due to injury. Um, but I'm excited to see he's only 21, 22 years of age at, at the moment. Um, so hopefully he'll he'll remain in the sides. You know, it's a bit of a, as I said earlier, a bit of an injury ravaged side at the moment. So hopefully he'll have his chance to to shine. Um, alongside him, you know, Carl Walker Peters has been arguably our best player of the season so far. Hopefully he's going to be back for the Sheffield United game, which is massive for us because he adds the balance and the defensive stability, and and also um, is brilliant going forward. So you know, Jennifer and, and Walker Peters for me, hopefully will see us end the season strongly. Yeah, and just before we finish today, we'll, we'll go into to match previews and discuss um, each of our team's next fixture. So starting with you, Slam, as it's yet to be played this game week is Everton, as we spoke about earlier. How do you see that one going? Do you think that Southampton can maybe get their first win since they last played a Merseyside club in the Premier League? God, I'd like to say yes, but I, I, I really don't think so. I, I know I don't want to sound pessimistic, but I, I don't have much hope really for, for tomorrow's game. Um, you know, you saw the 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 capitulation at Leeds. Arguably this season Everton are a better side than Leeds. Um I'd I'd like to think that we'll we'll give it a go and we'll we'll put in a performance. You know, the first our, our, you know, generally our first half performances have been quite good. Sorry against Wolves, you know, we, we outplay Wolves in the first half, second half we just look a completely different side um and, and threw it away. So, you know, who who knows? You know, I've always got. There's always that little bit of hope in 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 the back of my mind that we'll we'll get a result. You know, I take, if you offer me a draw now, I'd absolutely take it. Um, but I, I can't see anything but from an Everton victory, to be honest. Yeah, t- Thomas, I'm sure that 
you're going to have similar thoughts about Wolves' midweek match against Manchester City away. I mean, if if we can have seventy percent possession against you in the in the first thirty minutes, I, I dread to think what Manchester City are going to do. <laughs> yeah, well, hundred percent possession, I would have imagined, is a, is a statistic worth a bet on. Um, yeah, I mean, worth remembering we doubled them last season. I mean, I know not, that's got to give us an incredible amount of streak red, but I think that was the perfect storm of us having the best season for about 40 years and them not being at the races. Um, but I think Nuno's got a formula for playing against them. We were quite unlucky in the home game at the start of the season. We ended up losing 3-1, but it was 2-1 going into injury time. We were pushing for an equaliser. Um, so, but yeah, that was obviously pre-Raul injury. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've got no hope. I mean, I think they'll they'll steamroller us. Um, it'll be a case of, you know, how many. I just don't think we look, you know, as robust defensively as we have done in previous years. I just hope we park the bus effectively, play an extra midfielder. I'd actually just play Troyore and Neto up front as a two, um, you know, three, five, two, and uh, pack the midfield and just hope that they can just conjure something up for us on the break. But, you know, I, I think Man City have got so many... So much artillery and so many ways of beating you now, as they showed against West Ham, you know, they just got two centre-halves came forward and got them the goals and they're, they're getting narrow wins. And yeah, it's a, it's a daunting fixture. It's one of those you never like to write off. I'm not one of these people who goes, oh, yeah, well, we're playing this team, so we're not going to get anything. But, you know, you've got to be realistic about it. Um, but then again, you know, they're not going to win every game forever. So you never know. Just let's just hold out for as long as possible and, and see if we can... Uh, if they pony up something over on a rare counter attack, but um, but yeah, obviously, I'm expecting a defeat, um, and you know, almost looking ahead to the game at Villa Park on Saturday, which we've got hopefully a more realistic chance of doing something. Yeah, for, for Newcastle, we've got West Brom at the weekend, which is, is looking to be the biggest game since Steve Bruce took over, which is a depressing thought of where we currently are in the table. Um, West Brom obviously win the weekend, but they're they're going down. It doesn't. They could win the next five games. They're still going to go down. I can't. I think they're the worst team in the Premier League for me. I think they should be bottom of the table. Um, the Sheffield United started so poorly. Um, so yeah, if we've got Almiron and Saint Maximan missing, maybe it'll be more difficult. But I think even with with Ryan Fraser and Jacob Murphy and maybe Dwight Gale on the pitch, I think we've still got enough enough quality to beat them. Especially if we press high, West Brom are not going to be a team that can play through a press very well. Uh, I know they've got a Dianne up front, who, who's quite a powerful presence, but they're just going to be launching balls after him. I'd hope that our defence will be better suited to that than, than players like Traore running at us. I think that would suit us a little bit more. So I'm confident we'll go there and win and start to pull away. But I said that about Wolves this weekend, and that never came through either. So um, we'll have to see on that one. But with that, we are now out of time. So just want to thank Thomas and Sam for joining me today. If you just want to tell guys where they can reach you, now will be a good time. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. And uh, yeah, if you want to get your fix of anything to do with Wolves or your team's playing Wolves, you can check out wolvesblog.com. We have a lot of articles and interesting comments, both pre and post-match. And uh, yeah, you feel free to drop me a message uh, on Twitter at wolvesblog. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Sam Ecox. And if you're a Brighton and a Hove Albion fan listening to this, you can uh, read about my articles uh, on brightonandhoveindependent.com. Yeah, thanks, thanks again, guys. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. You can get the show on Twitter at EPR Roundtable. But yeah, we are now out of time. So I just want to thank the guys for joining me and we hope you join us again next time.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.